Whoa! It's Greg! That's me! And I've got not one, but two solo reviews for y'all. And neither of them are Steel, Jack and Luke. I'm sorry. I watched it last year, and I wrote stuff, but then I got bored with it, and I forgot, and I just forgot, okay? Steel Review 2015. It'll happen. So like I said, this week I got two retro reviews for everyone, because it's my show, and I want to talk about old games. We're going to start off with The Misadventures of Tron Bond. One of my many fandom obsessions as a kid and as a child-minded adult is the Mega Man series. This is one of the PS1's rarest games, and although I loved Mega Man Legends, I always skipped this. I saw the game hanging in a local Funko land, but being young and stupid, I didn't like the idea of playing as a girl, so I passed it up until I saw it on PSN, and then I figured... What the hell? Time to dive back into the dungeon-crawling adventure series again. The Misadventures of Tron Bon is a prequel to the Mega Man Legends series focused on Sky Pirate Tron and her legion of servbots. The Bond family leader, Teasel Bon, has been kidnapped by a loan shark after missing the deadline to pay him back for this giant mech suit that you guys just built. So Tron must work with her army of 40 servbots to ransack the tiny island home of a terrible cop Competent explorers, the world's shittiest lone shark, to pay back her brother's debt and prove herself to the Bond family. So the game doesn't have one major gameplay aspect, it has four, and it helps create a ton of variety. Since Tron is not a nice girl, she's prone to robbing and beating up civilians in order to make some dough. The first style of gameplay is a third person shooter that rivaled the main Legends series. Tron pilots a giant mech suit, and you shoot and plunder your way through towns and ruins with a small army of servbots. The movements are solid, jumps are good, shots sound good, but they're incredibly short. These sections usually take about 5-6 minutes. The second is a grid-based puzzle game, where you have to carry three giant crates to your ship in a number of moves. The puzzles look challenging and rewarding if you're able to get the secret crates in each level. The third section is a first-person dungeon crawl where you and three servbots explore an underground cave and solve some puzzles. The first-person dungeons involve a lot more pointing and hoping your servbots can kill things, but the rewards are really good, so it's okay to deal with some bad AI. But the real bulk of the game is played on your airship. While in the airship, you plan your missions, modify your mech, and most importantly, train your servbots. So, Greg... What the fuck are servbots? Well, they're these cute little yellow robot Lego guys that do all the work around your ship. Tron created and personalized all 40 of them, and they have all their own special stats, jobs, and abilities. Beefing up your servbots and finding out their abilities and giving them items to make them happy is actually going to end up making the game way easier, because when you take them into missions, they get stronger and faster, so you're just going to be able to wreck anything you come into contact with. So in order to find every servbot specialty, you have to find items throughout all your missions or you have to buy them from whatever shop you can find. So this includes tank parts and bottle parts, schematics, pork, ice cream, music players, uh, anything super shitty that you don't really want. You just decide to give it to your adorable, stupid little robot. The thing that I hate the most about the servbots, though, is actually boosting up their individual stats. Each one of them comes with power, speed, and brains. Brains is super easy. If you take a servbot with you into a mission, their brain power goes up. So bring all the nerdy guys with you so they can get really smart and it makes way less time to build shit. 
But when it comes to strength and speed, oh, these suck. So both of these, you have more individual fucking minigames to do. Strength test. You pick up a bomb and you throw it at the targets. Simple? Yeah. Monotonous? Yeah. You need to train pretty much every single serve bot in order to boost their attack stat, and the later levels do get tough. But think of that. You need to play the same minigame for almost every single serve bot. And the speed test is exactly the same, but way more difficult. Unless you've got impressive muscle memory, then you're set. I got bogged down by these button inputs, and I just, I got boned super bad. Your serve bots must feed a certain number of serve bots in about 36 seconds, and there are six inputs. They seem easy, right? Well, four of them need two buttons pressed at the same time, and when you need to feed 40 fucking robots, god damn it gets so frustrating and you have to listen to that god awful 15 second minigame song loop over and over fucking over hate it i hate minigames why does a robot need food you're a robot plug your butt into a wall outlet and boom no ebt here bitch get your food somewhere else all in all it's not a bad game There are parts of it that are really fun, like you get to explore this giant ruin that makes you a shit ton of money, but it's also a lot more like Mega Man Legends than it eventually becomes that. This isn't Mega Man Legends. I want to play Legends because I like exploring the dungeons. I like finding treasure. I like all this kind of stuff. But in order to do all that fun stuff in Tron Bond, you have to go through the servebot minigames, and you gotta go through these puzzle minigames, and you gotta go through lots of minigames. Servebot maintenance is boring, and your money-making exploits, while thankfully are short and have variety, can't hold together the game as a whole. Presentation-wise, it's okay. One thing I do kind of like is that rather than using in-game character models, every character has a stock image that pops up for cutscenes. It helps keep the game cheap since it had such a small development team and kept the focus on gameplay. Environments aren't that well fleshed out, but the main Legend series wasn't really good at that either. At least two shaped things up when it came to their environments, but it's not in a way that's impressive. Voice acting is mixed. While Tron and the Servbots are fun and they fit the characters, side characters found around for your crime spree are just so bad. Man, I, I miss bad 90s voiceover. It was kind of, it was kind of enjoyable to listen to the really bad voice acting mixed with the overacting of Tron and the Servbots. If you're interested in playing a short, money-making adventure, then sure, give Tron a try. It's like six bucks on PSN if you want to give it a shot. If minigames aren't your thing, go away. Now on to the second review. What would happen if you mixed the craziness of Metal Gear Solid and then you put it into the environment of Final Fantasy Tactics? You get Vagrant Story. In action RPG, you play Risk Breaker Ashley Riot, an elite soldier of the Valendia Knights of the Peace, who is assigned to hunt down a cult leader in the depths of the ancient Le Mans Ruins. Now, if you can get past how ancient this game is to today's standards, the presentation is rock solid. The game is 100% 3D modeled with no pre-rendered backgrounds or characters. 
The models are surprisingly detailed as every character emotes to the situation, which was rare to see from a game in the PS1 lifeline. The game also has an excellent use of shadowing and scene transition to make it feel like I'm engaging a living, breathing comic book. I'm not joking on the Metal Gear Solid vibe. The environment and story have a lot in common with a heavy, secret, political agenda storyline mixed with some supernatural activity. The story is actually engaging and really interesting. Ashley is our tragic, badass hero, and lead antagonist Sydney is a constant threat throughout the game. I love the design, and I love the feel to the game. The gameplay is action-oriented and addicting. The game takes place entirely in Limon, and although that seems like a bad thing, it actually helps set the tone to the environments like Shadow Moses did for Metal Gear Solid. Being in this constant area helps open up Vagrant Story's lore. The plot is really enriched and interesting, even though at times the dungeon crawling can take its toll when most areas are just the same blotch of color with palette-swapped enemies. One thing that sets this game apart from any other action RPG is the chain system. Pressing Circle opens this circular grid that targets all enemies in weapon's length distance from you. From there, you select a part of the body you want to smack with your variety of weapons and spells. Correctly timing your attacks awards you with a chain, and you continuously wail on a dude until they're dead, or until your time's up. Timing is crucial because it can mean life or death when you get in close to the bigger enemies in the game to smack a bunch before they retaliate with their own chain commands. It helps keep the combat short, fast, because you're going to be exploring these ruins non-stop throughout the game. Something that prevents you from overpowering your enemies is the risk meter. Risk affects your hit rate and your defense in battle. And the longer you stay in battle, the worse your hit rate becomes and the more vulnerable you get to attack types. It seems easy enough not to raise risk, but as you get into the tougher and longer boss fights, you'll start racking up risk and you can't hit the boss for shit before you get wrecked. And that's kind of a downfall and a blessing to the game. The game doesn't explain a whole lot and leaves it to the player to make mistakes and learn from them. And that's smart game design until a mechanic that wasn't explored before shows up. This is a common problem, apparently, with all newcomers to the game, but one of the first bosses is immune to a certain type of attack, and not using a specific weapon makes the fight almost impossible to beat, and the game starts to wean you off on save points. When you get a chance to rest, take it. You're going to need every single save point you come across because Limon is a labyrinth and you'll walk into wrong rooms and corridors all the time and get rocked by some fucking bullshit dragon. Grinding also isn't an option in this game because rather than leveling up, defeating bosses and exploring more of Limon actually raises your risk breaker ranking, allowing you to do more combat options in battle. You're not going to grind for levels, Well, saying that there's no grinding in this game is false, because you're not going to be really grinding for stats, you're going to be grinding for items. This game has a brilliant building mechanic thrown into it, where you build and craft your own weapons and armor that make up for leveling up. You can boost your stats depending on the equipment you build and find, but you can also find potions that permanently boost your stats by a few points. I loved how this game kept you always on the move, but still interested and engaged in the crafting system. I always felt like I was progressing even though you go through these large dregs of areas that look exactly the same. And that's one of the game's shortcomings. Although the world of Vagrant Story is big, 
you're limited to the walls of Limon. And it made me crave the outside world. I wanted to see more of this story because the story is really good. The characters are really good. The environments are really interesting. This is from the same development team of the Tactics series, which created the world of Ivalice. And Ivalice is really interesting. It's the most interesting Final Fantasy world, period. The fact that I can't be a part of this world and I'm just sealed off into this tiny little cave, little disappointing. Apparently, the game was supposed to have a lot more in it. and in, in fact, Limon wasn't supposed to be the only place. And I really wish that the game actually allowed for more travel time. I mean, so what? They add an extra disc to the game? I mean, that doesn't do anything. I mean, that's what the PS1 was all about, especially Square. Shit, man, they had like four discs for almost all their games. What's two discs gonna do? Nothing. That's what it's gonna do. Nothing. I still highly recommend this title for anybody looking for an old-school game that has a lot of life in it. All right, I'm done talking. My jaw hurts. Just a reminder, follow Steve and I wherever we go because we like to watch you sleep and value your opinions. You can listen to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud, watch us play games on our YouTube page, and, of course, keep updated on the latest information from us. You can check our Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail accounts. We love your opinions and want to know what you guys have to say. Bye-bye, friends.